Podcast Season 4, Episode 5. I'm continuing my series on things I wish I knew when I was starting my career. This is your host, Mitch, not Mediocre Mitch, because I'm doing away with Mediocre. <laughs> um, it's just Mitch, and I'm ready to get started. By the way, you know, it's interesting... I don't think people listen to my podcast, but they do. I had two people say, you're doing away with mediocre? And I had to re-explain to them the reason why. Look, let's be clear. Mediocrity is about realizing that we all have mediocre moments and or things or attributes in our lives, but striving to move past mediocrity, you have to first accept it, recognize it, and then work on removing or moving past mediocrity. And, you know, I've had a lot of people say to me, Mitch, don't be self-deprecating. You're not mediocre. You've accomplished a lot in your life. Sure, even you have mediocre moments, but don't call yourself mediocre Mitch. Call yourself Mitch. You're not mediocre. You have met mediocrity and in almost every instances where you meet it, you then go past it. In fact, that is what led to this season four being all about things I wish I knew when I started my career. Because honestly, if you look back over the course of my career, and I've been doing this um, career thing for over 30 years, if you look back at my career, you'd say, Mitch, you're not mediocre, you're you're." done a modestly accomplished job. In fact, you're far beyond mediocre. Um, many people consider me to be successful, and why should, why, should, why should I not share some of my experiences about things I wish I knew earlier on? So maybe some other people can benefit from that and learn and bring certain tidbits into their jobs and their careers now so they can be better and be better quicker and move forward in their career. So that's what this is all about. That's what season four is all about. And today's episode, episode five of season four, is all about how to make a presentation. Now, I have to be honest with you. I did, this, I did record this episode already and I deleted it because I, I realized that I was going back and forth between presentations or uh, pre, uh, or pitches or meetings with a small group of people and speeches or big kind of presentations to large groups of people. And I realized that in a small group of people, you can really adapt to the small group of, to the person or small group of people in front of you and being kind of Natural and ad-libbing and flexible is critically important, whereas giving a fixed speech, an uninterrupted speech to a big group of people, also a presentation, but a different kind of presentation. So I'm re-recording this episode. No one will have heard the first one other than me, which I've deleted. (laughs) And I'm starting over to do this episode, which covers both presentations in a small group presentations in a large group. So um, let's cover the small group first. 
Um, and when I say a small group, I'm thinking one-on-one or maybe one on a few, or maybe you're part of a small team presenting to a customer or a client or a senior leadership. And that's the presentation I would I would talk about because that's a presentation in, at work. I've done quite a bit of those presentations. And frankly, I've coached a lot of teams on how to do those presentations. And it's funny, you know, the teams that I coach are not professional salespeople. Most of the times they're professional accountants or tax people who making presentations is not necessarily their first skill. Their first skill is a tax, doing taxes or accounting. And those people tend to rely heavily on scripts. They're like, I need to write my script. I need to memorize my script. I need to practice my script. And I think scripts are great for getting all of your ideas down. But if you go into a meeting with a script or a memorized script, you don't come across as a, as a person. You come across as a script memorizer, especially if you're not a professional actor or actress. I'm going to get to an actor or actress comment in a few minutes, but I use a card, a single index card. And my rule is, is to keep it to 10 words or less. And in fact, this card probably has more than 10 words, but it really has 10 points. And each point is no more than three words. And I've organized the points into two categories. Category one is presentations to a small group. Category two is presentations to a large group. And I have four or five bullet points under each one. So again, all my points are here on a single index card. And I think that's the first rule when it comes to a small group presentation. I'll get to, again, I'll get to the big speech among, uh, to a big group of people later. But in a small presentation or a small meeting, you don't want to be reading or memorizing a script. You want the person you're presenting to to get the authentic you. And so the script, the, the, the index card is like a, cl- a crutch or a um, tool to help you look down, see a point, and then have a conversation, which is really what you want to try to do. So the second point after using, you could write a script, but then convert that script to an index card that has, I'd say, 10 words or less, or like I have here, 10 points, and each point has like two words in it, one or two words. The second thing when you're making a presentation is... Don't, especially, so let's think about a pitch, a sales pitch, because you're always selling yourself. So whether you're selling to a client or a prospective client or a customer or presenting to a boss or a leadership team, your presentation should focus on the benefits of whatever you're speaking about to them. So even on an interview, I don't like to go in and say, a job interview, I don't like to go in and say, I don't want to read my resume. I don't want to say I've, I've had this job, I've done this job, I've accomplished this, I've experienced that. Um, what I want to do is tie my resume to the person in front of me. So I've done this and I think it could benefit you or benefit you as I perform this job for you in this way. So always focus on the person 
across the table from you. And with that, I'm going to tell a story. And I use this story um, often when I talk to people about selling. And the, the story is, imagine you're selling an iPhone to a very busy person who back in the day when iPhones were brand spanking new. So I remember that day. And what, what I had before I had an iPhone was I had a Motorola flip phone, for those of you who remember flip phones. And I had a laptop computer. They're a lot bigger than they are now. A lot smaller than... The, the ones today are a lot smaller than they used to be, but I had a laptop computer. And that's how I did my work. I had a laptop computer. Oh, yes, I had a paper calendar. It was the Franklin Day Planner, for those of you who remember Franklin Planners. I had a, a paper Franklin Day Planner where I ordered the pages from the Franklin um, Day Planning Company every year. got a new set of pages. That was my diary and to-do list. And I had a flip phone and I had a laptop computer. And that is how I got my job done every day. Now, selling a flip flo- uh, uh, an iPhone to that, that executive, that person... What would you do? Well, you wouldn't sit there and say, this phone, it it has a lot of, first of all, it has um, 52 meg of memory. It runs on iOS 13. It has all kinds of applications like Google and a calendar and OpenTable and Yelp. You can do Amazon on here. You could do Spotify on here. Like, that's not a presentation. That's a list of functions, a list of tools, that a, a list of things that this phone, this iPhone does. But it doesn't really talk about how it benefits the person that you're trying to sell it to. In fact, um, you haven't connected this to that person's life at all. But imagine a presentation that's more like this. I want you to consider buying an iPhone. Now, you look like a busy executive. I see you have a Franklin Day Planner. I assume you keep your calendar in there. Oh, your calendar and your to-do list. I see. Good. You take notes from client meetings there with a pen. Okay, got that. I understand. What else? Oh, you have a laptop computer. What do you do there? Oh, you check your emails. I see. And you read um, PowerPoint presentations or PowerPoint decks on your computer. Great. And you have a flip phone for phone calls. Oh, you text on that too? How do you text? Oh, you have to click the the number two three times to get the letter C. And you need to click the letter number three two times to get the letter E. Oh, I see. So I understand what you do. And let me tell you how this phone does all of those things and more. And it does it even better. And let me tell you why. And then you can walk them through how the calendar and the to-do list and the ability to to take notes on your phone and even dictate notes to your phone um, replicate everything that they use their Franklin Day Planner for. And you could talk about how it receives phone calls and text messages. And the text messages have a little keyboard where you can dictate the text message all the things that that Motorola iPhone does. And you can talk about how the person's laptop, the emails, the, the PowerPoints, they all come through on this one device. So your iPhone, your, your flip phone, your computer, and 
your Franklin Day Planner are all on this one device. And then, and then, to make sure that the individual that you're selling to completely gets it, completely gets it, I always like to tell a story. By the way, storytelling when it comes to presentations or speeches is an incredibly useful tool. If you could become a good storyteller, the world is your oyster. Here's, here's the story. I would say, now to demonstrate the power of the iPhone, I want to tell you about a business trip I took just last week where I knew I was traveling on a day trip. So one day from New York to Washington, D.C., early morning flight. I was, knew I was going to be on a crowded plane with one of those little desk, one of those little tabletops that came down. I knew I, I was going to be in a rush to get to my meeting. And I knew I was going to have to come back to, to, to New York later that day. I wanted to travel light and I wanted to be productive. What I did is I just packed this. I did not pack anything else. No computer, no day planner, no flip phone, no nothing. I Just this. If you can imagine, I didn't even need a briefcase or a backpack. I just needed this in my pocket. I walked onto the plane. I didn't even need to, to flip down the, the tabletop to read all of my emails and respond to them on this device. I read some PowerPoint presentations, and I even updated my to-do list for the day and the week. And I was able to check my calendar and all of the things I had to do today um, all on this one device. If you can imagine, I had some busy meetings. I was in a taxi. I didn't have to carry anything around other than this in my pocket. I had a very productive meeting on my way back to the airport. I didn't have to wait for my computer to log on and you know go through all of the, the sequences to log on. I just opened this to look at the emails I missed. And, to, and would you believe it? There are things on here that even go beyond your day planner, your computer, and your flip phone. My boarding pass was on here. I was able to watch a movie on here on the flight home. And when I got home, I was able to go on this device and not even make a phone call. There's an app, an application I could click and order dinner from my favorite restaurant and have them deliver it to my home at a particular time when I would be there without even calling anyone. It was all done on this device. How does that sound to you? Is that something that, would, that, that you can relate to and use for yourself? What kind of questions do you have? Now, that is a presentation. That is way better than it has OpenTable and Google on it. It runs on iOS 13. No, they don't care about that. They care about how this thing could benefit their lives. And that's true for almost any presentation. A presentation of yourself during a job interview, a presentation to your boss about why you should get a raise or, or why you should get a promotion, a presentation to a client or a prospective client about why they should work with you or continue to work with you or why you brought value to them in a particular project. It's all how you should present. So use a card over a script. The card is really a crutch. Focus on the benefits to the client or to the person across the table. Use stories. Stories rock. 
Oh, and by the way, practice. You have to practice your pitch. Practice your your um, spiel. Even if you know it's not actually going to go that way, practice makes perfect. And I'm going to tell you a quick story. I mentioned actors and actresses at the beginning of, the, of this talk, of this episode. And I once taught a class that was designed by a group of professional actors and actresses. And we were te- those actors and actresses were teaching a class on how to improvise in a meeting. Let me tell you, these people were used to being on stage. These people were, were on, some of them were on Broadway. And um, they were preparing to, to, to give this presentation to a group of people on how to, on how to improv, improvise in a meeting. And there they practiced and practiced and practiced more than I've ever practiced for a presentation. I'm like, and they're professionals. And I, I remember going to, to the leader of that team and I said, Jane, why is it that you practice so much? And she said, Practice makes perfect because you never know what's going to happen on the stage. But if you've practiced enough and you're comfortable enough with what you have to say and what are the main points and how you'll react to different things, it's like practicing for a a baseball game. Baseball players take infield practice and batting practice and fly ball practice. That doesn't mean the ball's going to come to them that same way. But they are so used to dealing with so many different variations on the theme that when it happens in a game, they are ready to roll. So when you're making a presentation, please practice. I don't care how good you are at it. Okay. I'm going to switch gears here and talk probably for a little bit less time. But nonetheless, I want to talk about giving big speeches. So this is the second part of my index card. And look... You don't owe, you can't necessarily relate to every person when you're giving a presentation or a speech to 100, 200, 500, 1,000 people. And you can't always um, relate, or have, relate to every person in the group and have your talk speak to them. You can't always do that, but there are some things you can do to give an effective speech. And I'm, uh, let me tell you, about the first speech I ever gave in my career. I was asked to give a speech to about 200 people, colleagues of mine, during a training session. And I thought that seasoned speech givers could just do it from an index card. And I went up there with an index card and I was so nervous. You know the type of nervous that you start feeling your throat close and you feel your heart beating in your chest? And you feel your face getting red, so red that like you feel your head is 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 going to pop. That was me, and I completely froze. And I I did my speech with that fluttering voice, that nervous voice, and then you um have to swallow because you're getting so nervous. Um, it was a disaster. Now I got through it, and the audience was polite. But I'm 100, not 99, 100% sure the audience was sitting there saying, this poor guy is really sucking wind up there. And they were polite and they listened, but it was not a pretty scene. I was so nervous and so unprepared. But that experience taught me something, and I still remember it because it was over 20 years ago. In fact, it was probably 
30 years ago. But um, here's some things I do when I give a speech. First of all, I if it's a speech like the one I described, where we're not taking questions and I'm just giving, um, conveying information, unless it's a speech that I do over and over again and I've got the, the, the pitch or the, the shtick down pat, if it's a formal speech, I write it. So the first thing I do is I write a script. And I, I actually do write a script this time and I do it with kind of a big 20-point font so it's easy to read. I have it on pages with nice wide margins so I can see it easily. And I do a few things in that script. The first thing I do is I, I always organize the script. So I organize the script in, in this format. I start off by telling the client at a high level, the client, sorry, the audience, I tell the audience what I'm going to tell them during the speech at a high level, how I've organized my thoughts. So they know what's coming and they know how I've organized the speech. Then I tell them the speech in the order that I told them I would tell them in a very organized manner. And so, for example, if I'm going to cover three points, I'll tell them at the beginning, I'm going to cover three points. Point one is this, point two is that, point three is that. And then as I go through the speech, I will say, I said I'd cover three points. I'm now covering point one. When I finish point one, I say, I've just finished point one. You'll remember I was going to cover three points. Now let me cover point two. So I call this the tell them section. And then when I'm done, I summarize the three points and, 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 the, main point, and the main points of my presentation. So I call this the tell them what you're going to tell them, tell them and tell them what you just told them. And I organize my speeches that way. The other thing I try to do in writing a speech, and I'm not going to go into all write, speech writing skills. That's a, a, it's a huge skill, and B, it would take longer than this episode. But um, I always try to embed stories. And you know from listening to the episodes of season four of the Meet Mediocrity podcast, this being episode five, that I like to tell stories, because stories bring these things to life. So I like to tell embed stories into my speech. That's the second trick. The third trick is when I'm giving the speech, I always make sure I put my finger on the words I'm reading. So if there's a distraction, I don't have to. I don't lose my place, <laughs> and I always keep my finger on that page when I, when I'm giving the the talk, so I can look up. That's the second thing. I always like to look up, take a breath, smile. And make sure that I'm engaging my audience. I'm not just reading. I'm making a point. I'm looking up. I'm smiling. My finger's on the point where I was on the speech, and I look back down. So another trick that I do in giving the presentation. And unless I'm giving a speech on something very sad, smile a lot. Smile a lot. Make it as personal as you can, even if you're presenting to a very large group or a very large audience. Um, and... Last but not least, practice. Practice not just reading your speech to yourself, but say it out loud. Say it out loud to a mirror. Practice leaving your finger on the page, looking up and smiling at yourself. See how you look doing it. To me, that is true practice that makes you completely comfortable on stage. When someone coughs or someone walks out of the room or the lights flicker, you're prepared because you've practiced and you've practiced out loud 
and you've practiced in front of a mirror, you've done it as if you were going to do it in real life. Okay. I have to tell you, there's a memorable speech I gave in my community, and there were at least 500 people there. I think it may have been more than 500 people. And it was a speech about something personal, but it was also something personal that related to everyday life for many people. And I gave a speech using the tips I just gave you. Every one of those tips, every one of those tips, wrote, it, wrote out the, the speech, read it by a few people, put it in large font, practiced reading it, ran my finger across it, looked up and smiled, told them what I was going to tell them, told them, and then told them what I just told them. Did all of those things. And a week later, and, I, and, and everyone said after the speech it went well, it was great. I felt it went great. But like who's going to come to you after the speech and say that stunk? No one. But I have to tell you, a week later I was on the train reading the newspaper, coming home from work, and someone who I didn't even know was in the audience came over to me and said, Mitch, I heard your speech the other day, and it was one of the best speeches I've ever heard given. Yes, your content was great, and I appreciate the, your messages, but the way that you organized it, so that whenever I was distracted or I, my mind wandered to oh, no, I have to go to the bathroom. How can I hold it in? Or I wonder what I'm going to have for dinner tonight. I knew where you were in the speech because you told me where you were in the speech. And you reminded me what you had covered and what you were going to cover. So your content was great, but the way you organized it, you made me feel like you were speaking to me, even though you were speaking to 500 other people. So I'll never forget who that was. I'll never forget the speech and I'll never forget the tips because I use them all the time now. So anyway, that's kind of, I think, a wrap for this episode five of the Meet Mediocrity podcast season four. I've covered two types of speeches, small group presentations and large speeches to audiences, some tips and tricks that have worked for me, some tips and tricks that I hope work for you. If you like the Meet Mediocrity podcast, please tell a friend follow me on Instagram, follow me on Facebook, subscribe to our newsletter on meetmediocrity.com where you can click your email address into the subscribe to our newsletter box. Go to YouTube, check out my videos. And until next time, keep smiling, stay safe, be healthy, be well. Take care, everyone, and thanks for joining me. Bye-bye.